Well, hello. Welcome to this episode of LARPing Live. I'm your host, Risky Krisky, recorded as always from the local Mantres Bar and Grill. I'm in the second stall from the left, as you can smell. Had a big-ass word of carnitas earlier, and if you could bring some matches in here, that'd be excellent. On with the show. Okay, so as you've seen by the title, we've got a special guest today, the first guest on the podcast. So um, as you came across my channel, you more or less should know about another guy who I've plugged once before and has kind of uh, been in the game maybe a little bit longer than me, I believe. Uh, he's one of the guys who gave me some inspiration, but on YouTube, he goes by the, the name Swamp Dweller. How you doing, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing today? Oh, I can't complain. Hanging out on the back porch, enjoying the weather. Up here in North Carolina, you're uh, you're not too far off. No, I'm about, I'm about one state down from you. Oh yeah. I'll tell you what, though, a little muggier here today than the swamps. Say what? So I tell you what, though, it makes a hell of a difference down there in the swamps. That humidity. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, I was out yesterday, and the humidity, it was only 80 degrees, but the humidity was like 95%, and it was just, it was hot. Uh, it was hot here. It was about that temperature here yesterday, and I'm sure the humidity was through the roof down there. Much, much muggier. Oh, man, from here, from like now to fucking November, the humidity is going to stay high. Oh, yeah. For people who, uh, who aren't familiar with that humidity, it's no joke. It's not. It's not the same as being out uh, out west or in the desert. Have that dry heat. It's. Uh, it'll take your breath. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. All right. So I'm gonna. I, I wrote down something here on a little bar napkin. Just a little couple notes to touch on that I could think of. Some questions that I I had are just topics that I thought other people may be interested in. Um, so why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, those viewers? So you're in South Carolina. And uh, you've been doing YouTube and, and the patrolling and just documenting kind of what you do. How, about how long? How long have you been doing this? Oh, man. Um, I kind of been – well, I started off – I've always been hunting and fishing. I've lived in South Carolina, you know, pretty much my whole life. And I've hunted and fished my whole life. And uh, as I got older and I kind of started to see how things were going in the world. And in the country, um, you know, I've I'd always been into guns, so I kind of started getting more heavily towards maybe I should be carrying, you know, a sidearm or a pistol every day. And then I started doing that, and then I started getting more into, like, ARs and stuff and, you know, spending time in the woods, and then you have ARs, you kind of put two and two together, and you end up out there with them. And next thing you know, you're wandering around for 10 miles and knee-deep mud and that's kind of how that started. And then I just was like, I kind of got bored one day and I wanted to film some of it just to see more or less how some of the, what I was doing would look from another perspective. Like a camo sort of test. Yeah. Yeah. Like the camo and um, is this blending good or is my movement not good? Am I moving wrong or whatever? Um, just more or less to kind of judge myself and, I think one day I was just like, well, you know what? I'm going to upload this to YouTube. 
why the hell, you know, see what happens. And I kind of did that and it kind of just started from there. Yeah, I think that's why a lot of people like you is because it's funny you say that. Um, see, <laughs> I'm totally the opposite. Like I go out there and I'm like, hey, man, I think I can. I think this would be good on YouTube. I think some people might want to see this. And you're out there like self-addressing, <laughs> you know, like what you're supposed to be doing. Like, hey, I need to make sure I'm good in the woods. I've got my concealment and my movement down properly. And you're literally doing just to say, hey, is, is, how's this going to be? For your own betterment, as opposed to mine, like, hey, yeah, let's, people will like this, right? So that's good. I think that's a, a people are drawn to you. It's it's real. Yeah, that's that's kind of how I try to keep it. I mean, because whenever I go out there, I mean, you know, I'm by myself. Every now and then, you know, me and a couple other guys will go camping or whatever. I'll have somebody else with me, but it's very rare that that happens. So, ninety ninety nine percent of the time, I'm by myself. And what better way to judge what I'm doing than Watching their own video, right? I know athletes can attest to that. You know, they get filmed having their, uh, you know, baseball players taking a swing and having, uh, you know, professional analyze it, break it down, make critiques. That's good. All right. Um. So, so you go out in the woods right now. Were you um, you hunted growing up? Were you in the military, Boy Scouts? You know. Are you, a, you know, I'm not asking you, if, are you a cop, right? But you, what's your background that kind of got you out there to begin with? Um, really, honestly, it was nothing more than my grandfather. He pretty much grew up fishing and hunting and farming. And as we got older, as me and my brother got older, he kind of took both of us out, you know, hunting and fishing. And I probably started hunting. You know, when I was, I probably started going hunting with him with, I was probably five or six years old and I loved it ever since then. I had loved it and I just loved being out there. Um, I loved everything about being in the woods. And as I got older, you know, I just kept on hunting and fishing, hunting and fishing. And, um, I had always liked, you know, military stuff, but I never did join, um, never did serve. Uh, instead I kind of went on after I got out of high school, I went on to be an EMT and still am, um, done that now for probably, oh man, I've probably been doing that now for about four or five years. And, uh, it is, it is. I mean, it's, I look at it a little different than some people. I kind of view it as a job. A lot of people view it as you know, oh, I want to go help people. I mean, yeah, I kind of look at it like that, too. But for me, it is a job, but I am helping people. And I guess you could probably attest to this. You have to look at some of that stuff in a certain way. Yeah. It's uh, a <clears throat> it's a it's a lifestyle. It is. It is. I mean, you got to. I, when I start, first started doing it, I always thought it was cliche, you know, how people would always say, oh, it'll get in you and, you know, it's in you now. And, you know, that's that's who you are. I always thought that was kind of cliche. And I still kind of think that saying it's cliche, but it, it's the truth. Oh, yeah, I agree. I don't like I don't like um, being associated with that or like labeling myself. Um, yeah, it's in your, you know. Once you go out, what do they say? Oh, this one gets on my nerves. And uh, Jeremy, if you're listening to this, you're going to laugh your ass off. Um, 
when I hear guys saying, oh, you know, uh, lifesavers, heartbreakers, right? Something oh, like my that. God. They, like, have the sticker on their car at the local oh my God. rescue squad or some shit. Oh, man. I oh, my God. Don't even get me started on that, man. That, <laughs> we, ha- we have so many of them. Where I live at in the county I live in and work, oh, my God. They, they think they're, you know, not knocking them or anything, but they think they're some hot shit. That, it, I think that's common in the southeast, in the rural areas with the volunteer oh, yeah. rescue, fire, stuff like that. Oh, I yeah. It's common. very common, it seems like. And it's cool, though, you know, and I'm sure there are guys listening to this. Some Somebody's butthole getting all nice and tight and they're getting mad, but, like, it's all <laughs> in good fun. Like, at the end of the day, if that's you and you're gung-ho, like, I still want you to be the one, you know, holding my neck in place when y'all cut me out of my car wreck. Right, I, I joke and I fuck with you, but like that's that's the person, the one that's giving it, they're living it and eating and breathing it. I want you to be there next to me because they're going to be the nice one. Oh, yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, there's been times, you know, three or four o'clock in the morning, like I'm on a call and I call for, you know, rescue and for backup. And some of those guys show up and they're some of the best help you can get. Oh yeah. Now, so, and I'm just, I'm inferring here or, or, or to me, I'm, I'm guessing. So I'm, I'm assuming you probably were in, were or are involved in like a volunteer type thing. Now, would you agree that that may be one of the best initial sort of steps somebody could take to get involved in getting like the EMT or, or first responder stuff on the cheap and expose? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, that's a great way to, you know, get exposed to it and, you can learn, especially if you get in with a good group. I mean, if you can get in with a good volunteer group that are actually teaching, especially a lot of the older guys and, you know, the guys in their, like, 30s and 40s, a lot of those guys, man, they've got a ton of experience that they are more than happy to teach people. Um, when I first, I'll give you a good example. When I first became an ENT, my first month that I worked, uh, it's actually kind of funny. Um, my dad actually was a paramedic in the same county that I'm in. Uh, he did that for like 13 years and he actually trained my first partner. So my first partner was trained by my dad and my first partner was a firefighter. He had been a firefighter for like 20 years and he'd done the volunteer thing too. And man, he had so much knowledge that he just wanted to teach me about stuff. Those guys, man, if, if somebody's looking for any kind of training or just wants to figure out how to get started in any of that, those volunteer guys, man, they're, they're the way to go. Oh yeah, I'll throw something else out there, and I didn't even—I haven't even really ever thought of this until now. But just if you need, like, if you're like—and I'm not nothing against young women, but I'm not a young woman, so I can't speak to that. But if you're a young man and you need some guidance, right? Like, there's some mentors, and it might not be official mentoring, but you'll find a mentor if you go down that route. A good one. You definitely Probably. will. You you definitely will. I mean, and you- God fearing mentor, you know. Definitely. And Patriots. Well, not only that, not only are they, you know, they're gung ho, they're happy to teach. They want to teach people stuff. They want to pass on whatever they know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good, um, that's a good life to, to go into if you haven't been there before. If you're thinking about it and you're like, eh, I want to, a little baby half step is to go sign up for a volunteer station, right? Most places just require like a, a background check and and you to get voted yeah. in whenever the that time comes around for their board meeting. But um, it, it looks kind of the other thing. 
Yeah, and the other thing with that is, too, I mean, if you find out, you know, some people's just not built for it. And if you get into it and you volunteer a little bit and you figure out, hey, maybe this isn't kind of the path I want to go down, that's a good way to figure that out without spending a whole bunch of money. And it's cliche, but it's like there's nothing wrong with not you not being the person, right? Like, it's better to know and try and be like, I'm, I'm glad I learned this, right? Because it's okay. Everyone can't do it. It's just not feasible for the entire no, I mean, No, it's not. I mean, and I think people – especially people that's done it for years and years and years, they kind of lose thought of that sometimes. And oh, yeah. one of the guys I work with, he, he's been doing it for six or eight years. And he still, he, he still says to today, like the, the new people that we get to come with us or ride alongs or whatever, you know, that if this is, if you find out that this isn't for you, that's okay. This, not everybody's built to see some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, hey, it's the heart that counts. You tried and you, you came back and you said and you acknowledged it instead of going in, not telling someone and getting someone killed inside of a fire or something. Right. Like Exactly. That's a, that's a smart move. Yep, exactly. And, and that's something else that people, you know, they don't really think about that aspect of it, too. Like what you do is going to make a difference on your life or somebody else's life. Oh, yeah. So now <clears throat> so you're an EMT. Right. And and you're out in the the swamps wandering and dwelling within the swamps <laughs> and uh you're you're rocking the the illest alice you know belt rig setup i'm yeah i was looking at the pictures on your instagram before this just absolutely dying over it and uh are you carrying an ifac or like a little med kit in there anywhere uh yeah usually i keep mine actually on in a cargo pocket um i generally try and for me, just keeping it either left. Usually, I try to stick with the left cargo pocket, um, yeah. and I'm kind of a little bit different than other people. I don't carry as comprehensive of an fact, I guess, as most people do. You um, know, off the top of your head, what you have? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, let's. Hear I it. keep a tourniquet, a four-inch pressure dressing, and a minimum of one cravat. That's usually bare minimum of what I what goes in my pocket. Now, do you keep that in like a like a bag, or like a ziplock? Yeah, bag pretty much. I, yeah, I I keep it in a ziplock bag, and I don't keep the ziplock bag all the way closed, um, just so that if I do have to get to it, it's easier to just grab the bag out and just dump it instead of trying to fiddle around and open the ziplock bag when I'm hurt or something like that, or somebody else is hurt. I can just grab it out of my pocket and just dump it and grab it and do what I need to do. Now I'm assuming here, and I'm 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 reaching out on a limb. Um, and especially those who aren't medically uh, trained um, might not understand what I'm getting at here, but the bag you're doing the, are you using that as an occlusive dressing if you need to, is that the whole thought process there? Yeah, that's, that's kind of my thought process. Um, it's a super minimal. Yeah. I, I, I try to stick with super minimal. And the only reason I try to stick with super minimal is, you know, Let's face it. I mean, if you're out there by yourself and you get that fucked up and that hurt that you need an inclusive dressing by yourself. And in, in normal times. Yeah. It, even just in normal times. You know, say I'm out there and I fall down and or I get X, Y, Z happen to me. I got a punctured lung and I need to put an inclusive dressing on it. What's kind of the likelihood of that happening, you know? Of me being able to physically still do that with that injury. 
at probably about as likely as you running into somebody that would shoot you and puncture your lung. Very slim. Exactly. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I kind of stick with more. The most likely injury I could actually probably face out there is probably twisting an ankle and falling down on, I don't know how familiar you are with like cypress trees. They, well, they have, they have what they call cypress knees. It's basically part of their root system that grows out and sticks up out the ground, basically like a spike, you know, and me falling on one of those and getting that jammed into my leg is probably a higher likelihood than me puncturing alone. So I'm, I usually try to stick with. I'm looking at now on Google Images. Uh, did you not mention that in one of your more recent videos? I think I might have. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I've seen that before. That's that's striking a, a ring a bell in my head. Yeah. Refer back yeah, to be... his video to see those in person. Just like little mini spear stumps sticking out of the ground. Yeah, man. And, and if if you're wondering if if I have to cross through some water, there's some of those you can't. You're not going to see those things. They're punji sticks, more or less. Yeah, you sharpen those things up and you got punji sticks. Okay. Hint, hint, so I, I get the eye fact, though. Like, that makes sense, especially if you're going out there alone most of the time. Uh, the last thing you're trying to do is carry extra shit ton of extra weight that is more or less unnecessary nine times out of ten. Yeah. You hear that, Rico? He's carrying his eye fact in his cargo pocket. That's our uh, little mag, our mutual assistance group, if you will. They're uh, SOP. We keep them in our or go pockets and we're kitted up. That's the way to go, man. It's the way to go. I mean, you standardize on just one side or the other. That's the way to go. Oh, yeah. So I guess that, you know, now we're talking about when the IFAT, you know, let's go into the kit itself. I think most people that are listening to this are very curious as to your kit setup, why you chose that, um, your, you know, your philosophy behind it. You mean like Alice Kit? Yeah, like the whole belt system. You know, you you're rocking the ruck. I think your most recent video, you you went with a a different um, ruck pads and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so why do you, why do you go with that? And let's say not a super modern, you know, micro rig or or a battle belt or you know Gucci whatever. Well, I, see, when I first started actually carrying kit on me out there i, I kind of fell in a trap like everybody else kind of does and, and went with the micro chest rig first i think it was a haley strategic uh their heavy chest rig and the good chest rig or whatever it is yeah yeah that one. Oh yeah and it you know it was good quality and all but it just didn't work it doesn't work out there and i i was searching around you know i saw like you know velocity systems jungle kit and saw the price tag of it and I was like, okay, well, maybe I can like kind of throw something together and with a Molly belt and this and that. And then I was like, man, I got an Alice belt. I got Alice suspenders. I had already had that. Never used it. I just need some pouches. So I went on eBay and bought the pouches and I figured, well, I'll see how I like this belt kit thing. If I don't like it or if I do like it, I can kind of upgrade later on to the Velocity Systems uh, jungle rig. And I like the Alice kit so much that so I have no reason to actually upgrade. Well, that's, I um, mean, it just, it just works. You, you more or less, I mean, <laughs> said almost everything there is to say right there. Like out in the, uh, in the swamp with the high humidity, I, I think that's maybe one of the biggest concerns that people, people underestimate is 
putting all that stuff on your chest and being extremely exerted in a humid, hot environment and having to push on miles and miles, it just sucks the life out of you. Oh, man. And I I did that when I first started out. I did that in the summertime with that Haley strategic chest rig and you just get, you just want to take it. You, you will go walk a mile and you just want to just take that thing off because it's so hot. I mean, it just holds in so much heat on your chest and using that belt kit. It's just so much more comfortable. It's almost like having um, little armrests, like in a, in like if you're driving a Tahoe or in like a bucket, Captain oh yeah you can just sit your arms on yeah just little small on, rests yeah i mean it and i've done you know 10 plus miles with that on and it's it, it's comfortable you you kind of got alice kit to me you kind of gotta you have to make it work for you you can make it work for you but and you can do it stupidly cheap like i i, I would are you to say cheaper than than anything like a con uh, like a condor chest rig maybe the only thing that rivals the price but then you're back to the chest rig yep and then you're back to quality exactly and, and the alice, alice kit is it's just so modular and you can even throw other type of pouches on there too oh yeah i, I did for a long time i had a i don't even know what kind of molly pouch it was it was a surplus woodland molly pouch i had on there for a long time before i finally bought a another alice pouch I mean, Molly works on Alice as long as you – I personally, I just zip-tie the extra Molly webbing down to the belt just to keep it a little more secure so the snaps don't pop off. But oh, yeah. you can make any of those pouches work on Alice, kid. I was always taught to do the extra tie-down to all the pouches um, no matter what. So, like, either zip-tie the Alice – or there's, like, um, there's typically a little – like a belt – or not a belt, but, like, a suspender loop – yeah, on most of the pouches on the back side, and if if nothing else, I'm running some 550 or a zip tie and attaching it to the belt just for that added security in case that clip comes up. Yeah, well, see what Not I did on mine is I actually, I actually removed the metal clips on mine, and that where the harness connects to the pouches or the belt, I removed those metal clips and just straight up replaced them with 550. I got, I think I did a like a five mile rut one day with them on. And they started digging into my skin. And, like, after that, I was like, nope, these things are getting cut off. And that just goes down the whole other rabbit hole of, like, using pair. So 550 cord, for those of you who aren't familiar, I think it's, what, 500? It's because there's, like, 550 pounds or whatever, right, that it can hold, Yeah, I think. Um, but it's just the little cordage, you know, and you it has an outer sheath that you can take the innards out of and use the innards for cordage or just – totally gut it and make it thinner and like flat webbing if you will and uh, make tie downs with it but if the one thing i i want to make a video about this it just goes back to not tying it's it's a base uh firefighter skill it's a base sort of boy scout skill and survival preparedness skill but it goes i mean even with you setting up your alice kit right like tie downs knowing knots because half the people out there they're tying a knot that's going to come undone and they're not doing a safety on it right and so it's almost useless well think about this how many people know how to tie their shoe that's probably the only knot that most people know how to tie yeah that's like that's not square knot 
Yeah. yeah, like a basic overhand knot is or square knot. That's not going to hold much of anything. Right. Not when you put it under some pressure. But if you know the knots to tie, I mean, you can not only tie one that won't come undone, you can tie one that will not break but will come undone easily. I mean, we're it's down the rabbit hole, but, like, they don't call it, like, it's a well, minute man, you know, MacGyver mindset for a reason. It's so much shit. Yeah, and Wrong. by the way, I like I like how you put that in your first podcast, the MacGyver mindset, because that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's just it's little things that you can know and you can take from all these different sources and just put it together to help you in all these different situations. And you can manipulate right. all that knowledge to just like knots. I mean, knowing how to tie like a fisherman's knot or a bowline, you don't have to use oh, those for what the, that intended purpose that they were for. You can use those for other situations, but that's having that MacGyver mindset, like you said in your first podcast. And there's just so much, just even in ropes itself. And I didn't even know I'm so far off the topic here, but like that is such a huge skill to have. I mean, you think about any type of terrain that's not flat, any type of mechanical advantage or safety you need, or getting from one height to another ascending or descending. And then if you learn how to descend and ascend on rope, like that's critical skill. Critical it's skill. stuff that, that really could, you know, in a way save your life at some point. Could. Well, it's just a, it's a force multiplier in a way that most people aren't even considering. Yeah. I mean, it definitely is. You know, One where I'm going to play so many other tools, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, where I live, you know, I don't have a whole lot of mountains or build, you know, tall buildings. Most of my stuff. Like doing river crossings with multiple people, you need to be able to secure a piece of rope from one end to the other to, you know, forward gear across or forward some people across. And if you don't have the proper knot knowledge of how to tie those knots, everybody's going to be swimming. I mean, that go. I learned that now. Oh man, I'm gonna I'm making it out here. Circle back to this. Okay, so that's a huge one. I river crossings or, or just water crossings in general, if you don't have some some serious base understandings of a few things, that can end up at minimum ruining your day. At maximum, you're you're a dead man. You're a goner. Like yeah. getting that high line across if you need it, or or understanding how to actually physically cross the river if you could touch the bottom, right? Using Ideally, you'd want like a paddle and multiple people or, you know, stick something to brace and understanding the way the eddies are or like the breaks in the river and then understanding if how to keep your shit dry or, or afloat. Right. So taking a wet weather bag or a poncho, wrapping your ruck, making it, you know, buoyant. Um, it, those are all huge skills that most people aren't talking about. No, they're, well, they're not even they're not talking about it and nobody's really demonstrating any of it. I don't I haven't seen. Like go YouTube search right we now. We should do that. We should get up and make a water crossing video since you're only just one state away. I'm down for that. I have been wanting be to good. do a water crossing for a for a for years, man. But I, I don't want to do it by myself, so I am down for that. Do you have water that we could cross? Oh, definitely. I have a oh, yeah. perfect river. Cool. Let's talk about that later. That sounds like a good idea. That'd be that'd be a fun one too. Oh yeah, definitely. It'd be a good good video too. <laughs> All right. So let's look here. So we went over the the, uh, the actual stuff you're carrying on you, except the most fun, cool part, and that is the gat. 
So, um, <laughs> from my understanding, you're you're somewhat of a, a traditionalist in, in your style or, or your choices, at least, from what I've seen. A lot of carry handles, a lot of uh, front sight posts, longer, you know, vibe yeah. check barrels. Yeah, I definitely prefer the vibe check barrel and, you know, some good old iron sights. Just kind of gets me going. Now, you said something in your video. Oh, man. I, again, I, I looked up a few of your videos prior to this just to make sure I was saying all the right things and, and, and taking all this in. I don't know if it was the most recent one or if it was the one where you talk about you have a new fire or a new rifle. Um, but you mentioned something about the distance in which you're shooting. Right. And I think that's a huge thing that people might not understand. And when they see a lot of us out there with carry handles or iron sights only in the woods, um, is, is your, is the distance. They're like, well, how are you going to engage at, at a at far distance? A lot of it's just point shooting. Um, it, it definitely, look, I tell people, people, a lot of people don't believe me when I tell them this, but if you go to where, to the property that I go on in the middle of summertime, you will be hard pressed to take a shot further than I'd say 30 yards at the most. And wintertime, you might get 50 yards. It's totally yeah. different than people think. I mean, I've got, you know, there's fields in my area too, but that's not majority of the time where I am. So if you, what good is a, to, and this is just my, this is my opinion. This, you know, I know this is probably going to butt hurt some people, but what good is a one to six LPVO going to do me? when I'm not shooting past 30 yards. Well, it's going to make your wrist tired because it's probably a little bit heavier than it needs to be. <laughs> exactly. I mean, you know, I'm not saying they don't have a place, but for me, they just don't. And I've uh, said about a slick rifle, just no snag points. Oh, definitely, dude. I mean, I see, I grew up shooting iron sights, so I've been comfortable with them. And I have – I've stretched my both of my ARs, my 16-inch and my 20-inch out to 300 yards and you can do it with iron sights no problem if people just need to train it now do you run um a light on all your rifles or do you run them some of them slick that you take out no i run i do keep a lot on all my rifles um i think i think your your rifle should have a light i i think it's it's the weight of it's negligible and the benefit that you get from it is great and Something that people need to do, though, that I do it with all of my rifles. I have a scope cap, flip scope cap on all of my white lights so that you don't have to worry about that negligent discharge of light giving you away to somebody or, or whatever. Now, how do you what do you run different lights or are you like a surefire or streamlight only guy or mod light? Like, what are you, what are you going with? O light. Hurt. <laughs> Both of mine are surefires. They're the I think they're the G two X lights. Okay, yeah, those are good. Yeah, they're like sixty bucks, and you can get like a one inch mount for them. And I mean, it's solid. They're solid, man. I, I've gone, I've, <laughs> I've literally dropped my rifle in three foot of water with those lights on, and they just work. They hold up. I'm not shilling for surefire because I don't get a damn thing from them. But I've had. I had an O-Light. I had it fuck up on me. I got one when they were on sale um, before <laughs> all the videos came out and people trashed them. I had it mess up on me. I've also had plenty of sure, um, Streamlights 
and most of them have been fine. I've had some of them have small issues here and there. I've, I've had a, quite a few surefires, and honestly, I've never had a single issue with a surefire. No, I've had two or three surefires now, and I've never had an issue with them. I do have one Streamline, but it's kind of like a – I think it's like a ProTac 2LX or something like that, and it's kind of my work light and my everyday carry light, and it's been pretty good. If I was to get a Streamlight, or if, if somebody was out there telling me they want a Streamlight, I'd say get like a TLR1 or like the ProTac. Avoid some of these other ones with extra lasers and shit like that. Just get their base two models, like the, either the main handgun one or the main, you know, rifle circular light that you can, you know, take off and, and carry with a clip on it. Yeah, those ones they've had they've had going for years are, are pretty solid. From I mean, I've never used them, but. From everything that I've seen, they seem pretty solid. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry for chomping the ice here. I just remembered I'm on a podcast. All right. So, okay. So, uh, now you're – might be a, a a stupid question to ask you, but why why the swamp, right? I mean, obviously, you're located in, in a certain area, so that sort of funnels your, your options. But is it is it by choice? Um do you prefer the swamp? Would you would you rather you know like? And I throw this guy's name out there because we've interacted with him a few times. Great dude, survival survivor metal man. Like his terrain, out where he's yeah. at. Would you rather be out there, you know, or, or do you like uh, you like the swamps? Um, at first the swamps was kind of just like I had no other choice but to go there. But as time has kind of gone on, um, honestly, I don't think I would choose another area. I once you get past the fact that it's a swamp and that there's going to be mosquitoes and snakes out there. You, you know, it's just like anywhere else. It's just a section of woods. And after thinking about it for a while, when I first started going out there, like I am now, um, not many people want to go out there in the swamp in the middle of summertime, much less in wintertime and do anything. They're scared of it. So to me, that's a force multiplier in a way. Because I can habitate and do things in an area other people don't want to go to. And that's, 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 to me, you, you, if you can operate and be comfortable in an environment where majority of the population is scared to death of, you, you gotta, you gotta leg up on a lot of people, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, um, and then, Sorry, go ahead. Well, and the other thing is, honestly, swamps are just beautiful. I mean, they're just full of life. And you, at times, you know, they're it's kind of dark in the summertime in there because of all the thick vegetation. But it's full of life, man. I mean, there's stuff to eat. If you just if you do a little bit of research, there's plenty of stuff to eat. There's all kinds of stuff out there that people don't even realize is there. Now, I, I have an idea. I have what I think at least, but what do you find the biggest challenge or what, what may others um, encounter as the biggest challenge to them if they're new to the swamps or if they're looking to, to go out, you know? Honestly, if going to a swamp, a lot of, to me, one of the biggest challenges probably somebody new would have is if you're going in summertime, the heat, just the heat. I mean, you, it's not something you can take somebody who spends majority of their time inside and doesn't go out a lot of times and just take them out there one day in the middle of summer. They're probably going to end up being a heat casualty. It, the heat and 
how fast you move, you really have to pay attention to it. If you don't, I mean, I've come pretty close a couple times to, you know, heat exhaustion, heat stroke. But once you do have all that, those problems, you, you become more susceptible to them. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the heat's big one, man. I, I mean, the heat's no joke, especially with the humidity. And when you're in that thick vegetation that's in a swamp, there's not a lot of a breeze. So all that humidity is just stifling on you, man. I it's mean, like breathing in uh, a hair dryer. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you're, it's like imagine just turning on the shower as hot as you can turn it. Let that steam build up. Go outside, run two miles, and then step in that shower in that bathroom with that shower going. That's what it's like. I mean, it's just nothing but a sauna on you all the time, and the sweat doesn't evaporate because the humidity's so high, so it just stays on you. Yeah, that's one of the the things I learned when I went through <clears throat> basic training in the army. Now I'm from Georgia, but I'm I'm from more metro Atlanta area, and going down to Columbus, it's uh, it's a little bit more humid and muggy and I learned real quick how how much water and sweat those those tops that you're issued the camo tops retain. Because oh yes, yeah. you, you lose all that and you're just soaking wet and, the whole time. And those a lot of those things they don't dry out. No, and that's where I you mean, can run into that whole trench foot and everything. Like if you don't bring extra socks, if you don't have a wet weather bag or it's not waterproof, wear your extra socks or. Or inserts for your your boots or your extra set of boots are. Um, yeah, that, that's a big that, one. Having extra socks and inserts, it, it, that's a big one. You you can really easily mess your feet up out there. I mean, it, it's not uncommon for me when I go out there that it's more rare for me to have a day that my feet don't get wet with stepping in water than it is you know, going out there and getting wet. I'm, I'm more likely to go wet, get wet every single time I go out there. Now, I'd like to dispel, maybe it's not even a myth, but it's, it's something people don't talk about, and I think a lot of people that lack experience may need to hear. They see waterproof boots, right? And then they think, oh, <laughs> man, these are going to keep my feet dry, right? Like, if you are considering going out anywhere that's not, it's not just, uh, like, snow, I would advise not getting the the weather or waterproof boots. Yeah, um, it's gonna fuck your feet up. It definitely will. I mean, I I have a pair of waterproof boots, and on, the only time I wear them is in wintertime when it's. I mean, and it's got to be pouring down rain for me to wear. That's the only time I wear. The rest of the year, it doesn't matter how cold it is. My boots are not waterproof. They're just the boots that I wear now are, are a pair of Danners and. I can walk those boots dry. That's how quick oh, yeah. they dry. That's more important. And especially, than, sorry, but no, I was just to say that's more important than having waterproof boots. Oh, absolutely. Having them being able to vent and dry quickly. Um, because let's say you have the waterproof ones and you go all day and it's like, Oh man, I, I didn't get any water inside. And you step in that one puddle a little bit too deep and it goes over the edge and gets inside. Well, and now they're not going to be able to fit a pair of boots. It's going to take three. Yep. And they're going to take three days to dry out. And then if you're out there in the field for three days, then boots ain't going to dry out. None. Yeah. I always, I always tell people take an extra set of boots. Maybe if nothing else, take an extra set of insoles. 
um, I would take an extra set or like fold up a pair of Converse, like Chuck Taylors that are small as your like emergency oh, yeah. shoes and uh, just have a shit ton of socks and just change them out every time your feet get wet. Oh, yeah. Well, see, what I do is I usually keep on usually usually in my butt pack and some pouch, you know, just easy access on my pack. I keep a spare pair of socks and foot powder. So and another thing, a lot of people I've only seen this one other place and it may be more well known than I think it is. But keeping a bottle like hand sanitizer, just got a high alcohol content. Keep that in your pack, too, because you can take when you change your socks, rub your feet down in that hand sanitizer. That's going to help oh, dry up some of that water. That's on your feet. Yep. That's an excellent idea, man. I didn't think about the hand sanitizer. Dude, Look at you, that. Do that, you do that and then put some limited air out for a minute, put some foot powder on, change your socks, man. You're good to go. That's awesome, man. I tell you what, my secret when we were in the field, now this isn't uh, like, oh, man, I, I hate saying the word tactical. In a tactical, like, real mission environment, I'm not doing this. But if, if it's anything else or we're camping or we're just out in the field at the bivouac, I'm taking a baby wipe bath before I go to sleep. And then I'm taking mentholated foot powder, and it's going all over my body, and I'm getting nice and chilly. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. I'm nice and cool when I get to that <laughs> ranger roll. Oh, man. But, yeah, good yeah, foot that's... powder, that's a good one. Good foot powder. Yeah, right, it, it, if, pe- if people are, are... – think i'm kidding about hand sanitizer they really need to try that because i i seen one i seen it on a youtube video i don't even remember what video it was but it was a guy that was in the jungle and he was hiking through it and he said that's what he does and i thought you know that, oh that's a good idea so i'll try so i tried it one day and dude that's a game changer it really is i would take that over foot powder honestly really yeah seriously it, it works that good i'm gonna have to try that next time i'm that's an interesting point. You said you take it over the foot powder. Okay. Well, I like that. I'm going to try it out. Yeah, definitely, man. It, it Give it a shot. Oh, yeah. But don't – yeah, for y'all listening, uh, the heat casualty, that's that shit's no joke, man. I've I've seen a guy get a core temperature of 107 degrees, and it fried his brain, and he was mentally handicapped after that. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's lucky up. to be alive. He was. And then I've also been a heat casualty once. And I'm more susceptible to it now, just like you said. It really is. But knowing that sign and uh, one one little thing I keep in my – with my water or, like, in my canteen pouch under the canteen is this – the dry powder, liquid IV. And yeah, I keep – that if I'm feeling I keep a, a bunch dehydrated. of those. Oh, yeah. That's a lifesaver. It is. And they – to, to me, honestly, they taste like crap, but I know they work pretty good. Yeah, it's not that good tasting. But, you know, it's rehydrating salts or whatever it's got in there, electrolytes. Oh, yeah. So um, how, so you, you told me kind of how you got started and what, what took you into the woods to begin with, um, or into the swamp, rather. What, what got you into the patrolling sort of aspect or just, you know, like your name says on Instagram, which it's a different handle. Your swamp dweller on YouTube, swamp wanderer on Instagram. What uh, what caused you to start wandering the swamps and patrolling them? You know, with a rifle, as opposed to just kind of walking down there and doing some hiking or. Yeah, uh, it was kind of a combination of things. Um, I started when I started really heavily working out and you know doing some PT. I started rucking, and uh, the property that I was rucking on. There was a lot of coyotes and hot wild hogs. And, you know, at this point I had an AR 
So I, I would just take it with me, you know, just to, in case I ran up on hogs or coyotes or whatever. And it kind of went from there. I was kind of like, well, if I'm taking this, I wonder what it would be like, you know, if I carried a bunch of magazines and water on me and, and stuff like that. And movies like Black Hawk Down, and I don't know if you've ever seen it, Tears of the Sun, that, that kind of, I was oh, like, you know, that would be that would be really cool to carry some of that stuff. So, just kind of meshed it. in that movie are absolutely to die for. Oh man, that that movie <laughs> to me the the best part of that movie, man, is seeing those people with the LBVs and uh, those carry handles with scopes on them and suppressors. Yeah, that shit's hot. <laughs> the LBVs, I love it. I was looking at one of those earlier on eBay. I'm like, no, I can't. I don't need. <laughs> They're everywhere. They're cheap too. Dude, those are the ones people don't. Those, people are sleeping on LBVs right now. They really are. Oh, I know a, my, a buddy of mine's got one. He uses it, and that people are sleeping on that. That that's if you need a cheap, almost ready to go rig, that's the way to go. Yeah, get an search eBay for LBV as in Victor. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I so, mean, I kind of just kind of meshed everything together and wanted to wander around and just walk around just because I like to see nature and. I like guns and I like, you know, kit and stuff. And that's kind of pretty much just how it all happened. I just put meshed it all together and here I am now. One of, one of the, one of my favorite things now that I interact a lot more with people in this space is interacting with non-veterans, non-military veterans that are into this because it's like, I don't, I don't think I ever would have stumbled across this had I not been in the army before. So like, and the guys that are civilians, they have a different take on it. That's, it's a great take. And every civilian, or I say civilian, like I'm not a civilian right now. Every non-veteran, they have a different reason for getting in or something that they, you know, take out of it. And I, every one of them, I learned something from, right? So I love that. We need more guys like you in that uh, just, just love it for what it is and want to, want to pass the torch. Uh, to the yeah. other guys. I mean, you know, this, this isn't a knock on anybody to serve, but I think being, you know, a civilian kind of gives a different take to you're not forced to learn something a certain way. You have, you can think for yourself and say, hey, yeah. this works and I can stick with this or hey, this doesn't work. So I'm going to try something else. But I mean, I'm sure, you know, in the military, you can't really do that. You pretty much have to do it their way. Yeah, it's, um, it doesn't leave much space for people developing critical thinking outside the box uh, related skills. At least yeah, not and, at face value. No, and, and being able to critically think like that and Taylor, I think I just put a video or I might put a video up about this, but tailoring something to your specific situation is, is more important, I think, than just being a general you know, well-rounded. Well, let me rephrase that. You you should be generally tailored to your area and what you need to do versus taking, you know, what like the army's doing and applying it to your situation. Cause it might not apply to your situation. It probably doesn't apply also. Yeah. yeah. You're right. You're hundred percent right. What, um, what would you tell, or is there any advice or any, any peak hidden knowledge that you've gained as a non-veteran in this culture, right? That you wish somebody would have told you earlier on or, or just you would like to pass on to other P 
people just getting into this? Oh, man. Um, don't probably what I would say is don't get wrapped up on what everybody else is doing. Um, you know, go out there, try, pick something that you think is going to work, go out and try it. If it works, hey, great. If it doesn't work, then now you know how you need to fix it or another direction you need to go. Um, just because you see all the, you know, the big name brand YouTube people or Instagram people using one thing doesn't mean you have to follow along with them because their situation is going to be totally different than yours. So just just find something that works for you and just go with it. I mean, it doesn't matter if it looks cool or flashy or whatever. Just run it. I mean, hey, if it works, it works. That's right. Too much emulation going on and less, hey, is this applicable to what I do or uh, is this even realistic? Yeah. No, I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. I mean, it, too many people are like, this isn't, and not to knock on anybody again, but people see some of these videos on YouTube of how people are doing things and what you should carry and this and that, but they're living, you know, maybe up in the mountains. Well, the person that just watched the videos down in Texas and, you know, or in a desert or something, what they're using in the mountains is not going to be applicable to you in a desert. So you can't base your kit or your thought process off of them. You can take and pick and choose ideas from them, but it's probably not going to apply to you. I like that a lot. <clears throat> so I just came up with a question. Um, oh, I like this. I get this one all the time. And I, uh, I think you'll probably have an excellent answer for it, but uh, I literally get this shit all the time. Why don't you carry a sidearm with you with your rifle? Oh man, I've, I've been asked that a bunch. <laughs> I know. That's the one. <laughs> I, I don't, honestly, I just don't think it's worth it, to be honest. I mean, I'd rather, for the weight of, say, like a Glock 19 or a Glock 17, I'd rather carry three more mags for my AR or, you know, a quart, another quarter of water. I just don't think the, the weight, the weight versus rate isn't there for me. I think. It, it, if you take CQB out of the mix, if CQB isn't in your plan, uh, I think you just you hit the nail on the head. Why would you take a pistol into a rifle fight, carry exactly. three more magazines? Exactly. I'd much rather have – I'd much rather make this, take the space that a pistol's going to take up and carry three mags than carry the pistol. Because, okay, so you carry the pistol. Well, now you need some spare mags for the pistol. So now you're taking up more room that you could have used for more rifle mags. And I mean, I'd rather be carry real for a second. You, I'm sorry, bud. No, you're good. Way. I mean, I was, I was just gonna say I'd rather carry twelve rifle mags than, you know, nine rifle mags and a pistol and two extra mags. I mean, my whole thinking is just if you look at an Alice kit, you got if you only use two magazine pouches, that's six magazines because they're three each. That's six mags you got, and you still have the room to put a holster. You could still take down one of those, which I wouldn't advise. I'd say keep one of the magazine pouches or keep both of them. But you could even take one of them off, still have three mags, and run a pistol holster on your side. And you'd still have more magazines than you would if you ran a micro rig. Yep. So that's just yeah, another, re another reason for that Alice kit. That yep. belt. And, and belt kit, 
I, I think more people are going towards it now, but I, I still think it's just such a, it's so slept on by so many people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm right there with you with the pistol. I, I, I carry a pistol if I'm getting, going from my EDC to something else and I'm not going to leave it in the truck or whatever. Um, or if I think I'm going to have to go inside just because of the distance and CQB, I like having that alternative I can go to because I don't have the distance to do a malfunctions clearance or something like that inside of a room. Yeah. But short of that, I don't, I don't see a reason in carrying it, especially if you got another guy with you or something like that. Oh, or you're by yourself yeah. and you're not looking for a fight. Yeah, I mean, it, like for me, most of the time I'm out there, I'm by myself. I, what's, a pistol to me is not worth it. And, you know, if I'm definitely with two guys, I definitely don't think a pistol's worth then. And most people, this is, could probably go off on a tangent here, but most people that go out there, they're just doing some kind of patrolling. That pistol's not going to serve them any good. They're better off carrying, you know, say survival pl- supplies too versus the pistol. Right. Well, I agree with you. Um, all right, man. Well, is there anything else you got? Um, anything else you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, something that I've kind of – I've seen it a few times here lately. But I see a lot of people, they, they get their kit together, and this is not targeting anybody specifically. But they get their kit together, and, you know, they got all their, you know, their survival supplies. They got their fire kit. You know, they got their water kit, their water purification stuff, and – they got all this in their bag or on their belt kit or chest rig or whatever. But I never see anybody use that stuff. And I don't understand that. Right. People don't – You need it, it goes back to using your kit. I mean, I personally think that if you're going to carry survival supplies, you need to be almost an expert at using those things or at least have a basic understanding of that stuff. You, you have no problem using your, you know, your rifle or your handgun and doing – pistol transitions and magazine reloads and all that, but you're struggling to use a ferro rod or you're struggling to use a water filter, that should be like second nature to you. That's Especially if you're going to be in a field, field environment, that that should be second nature. I think... And I think that's probably more important than... That. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more important to more people, I think, than having that sub, you know, two-second reload or whatever. Well, just like if you're... Looking at this strictly from a like an infantry mindset, or like a you have to carry and hump everything you want on your back, you should not just as a rule of thumb probably be bringing anything you're not an expert in using because it's a waste of ounces in space. And in that, like if you're a lot of people probably shouldn't be carrying a lot of this stuff in their combat pouches right this is stuff that should be in a, a pocket in your uh, on your you know your your top right or in a cargo pocket so if you have to ditch everything you still got this stuff yeah and or like as a backup well that yeah that's that's another thing too man like i see a lot of people they'll they don't dump dummy cord you know what i'm sure you know what dummy cord and stuff is and for people that don't know that's just simply turn, yeah just tying your gear down to you i mean Think of how easy it could be to lose just your pocket knife. And if you lost your pocket knife, think of how bad that could be if you, you know, if you lost or you get lost or something happens that you need that knife, you could be in a world of hurt. 
I got a perfect, just... perfect example. And in basic training, we had a guy complaining about why he had to tie down his canteens, you know. And the whole thing, you know, we got we got learned up and, and we had to do the whole thing because of it. What happens when you get ambushed when you're drinking water and you drop that canteen and then all hell breaks loose and you've got an E&E or evade and escape. Uh, and then, oh, shit, I don't have a container anymore <laughs> because I dropped it because it wasn't tied down when shit hit the fan when I wasn't paying attention or when I was my guard was down. Right. Like anything. It doesn't have yeah. to it, or it could just be you falling down. And it getting you know lost in a in a water crossing. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's a very good example. I mean, think of somebody who is you know they maybe say they 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 backpack or they hike or whatever, and they're starting to get into the patrolling thing, and they fall down and or they slip and fall in the water because they're not paying attention, and next thing you know. They've lost the way to start fire. They've lost their knife. They've lost, you know, say that piece of quarters they had in their pocket just because they didn't dummy cord anything down. And that can really bite you in the ass. But, I mean, that also goes back to people using your gear and actually seeing, hey, it's easy to lose this stuff when you're out there. Yep. It really is. And just something as simple as just dropping it right in front of you out in the woods or in the debris or in the grass or in the swamp, how hard is it to find something in your back? You, you drop an AirPod out of your ear in your backyard, right? You're never finding that fucker. Nope. You're never finding that in the thing. Swamp. Yo, and, and, and if people don't believe that, take and go grab an orange bit lighter and go out <laughs> where there's a, a bunch of leaves or where there's it's just thick grass or whatever and just close your eyes and just drop it. See how easy that thing is to find. I bet you it's going to take you a little while to find that thing. That's right. High-vis high vis camo orange. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a good one with the uh, the dummy cord tie-downs. I like that. And and really, just to keep it simple, all that means is just stretch out, you know, some 550 cord or paracord to the length in which if you drop it, it's not going to dangle on the ground or, or drag on the ground. It's just going to dangle, right, and not touch the ground. And then just toss that or, or wrap that around the item and put it back in the pouch. Yeah. I mean, really what I like to do is, you know, you can get those little metal like, S-clip carabiners. Yeah. And take and loop a piece of 550 cord to it and then loop another piece of 550 cord to whatever you want to tie down. And then you can clip and move that thing wherever you need it. You need to have it in like a BDU pocket or you need to move it to your uh, pants pocket. It's super easy to do with those metal clips. Oh, yeah. And for people, you know, those guys who don't know, if this becomes a, a harsh super reality when you get into the, the night vision world of tying down the nods to the helmet, getting them hung up on branches or putting them in a pocket, having a tie down connecting to your gear. It's like once you put thousands of dollars there, uh, that's the last thing you want to lose. Yeah, you don't want to lose that Take shit that to the nth degree. Yeah, when you when you spent you know thousands of dollars on piece, one piece of kit, you don't want to lose that stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I know you brought that last one. Have you got anything else you want to touch on? Well, I got gotcha. you. Um, no, I mean nothing I could think of. Uh, I just wish more people would be willing to go out and use their stuff. Excuse the dog. You're fine, dude. There's probably birds chirping in the background this whole time. Ah, that's all good. 
But yeah, I mean, just more people just need to use their stuff, man. I mean, it's not hard to do. They just need you to know, do I it. Think, uh, I think your channel is one of those channels that's definitely making it more mainstream, right? Yeah. I like that we got the regions and, you know, you're in South Carolina. I'm just above you. We got guys we're communicating with on other platforms and on YouTube that are on the other side of the country and other countries. It's awesome. I just want to see this community grow of just like-minded, good people that uh, can yeah. protect each other. It, it is awesome too, because honestly, before I started doing the Instagram and YouTube thing, you know, I never really did chit chat with too many people that were, you know, like-minded like us. And ever since I started doing that, I didn't realize how many how many people were out there that were like that, and all the way all the way in Europe and all over the United States, and how most of these people are just they're good people. Most they of are. them I've talked to, they've just been some of the nicest and best people I've ever talked to. They're people you run into at the store and they hold the door for you, right? Like they really are normal, average people that care. Yeah, they really are, and the mainstream media likes to make it out like all of us are just, you know, the bad guy, but there's become most all of a non issue here. The more we move forward, I know we believe in what they say. <laughs> oh man. That, dude, I don't even, I couldn't tell you the last time I actually truly watched the news and believed the single thing they said. One of the best things they, I ever did was stop paying direct TV and my cable bill and just getting away from that altogether. Oh, I mean, I don't even watch TV anymore. I don't. Oh, yeah, me neither. It, I don't watch it, sports. A, my, my team won the World Series, and I didn't realize they were even in the World Series, the Braves, until game two. That's how disconnected I am. And all my friends in Atlanta, you can hate, you know, I'll send me the hate mail, whatever. We still won. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, the people, I think, what was it, the Will Smith smacking uh, was it Chris Rock or somebody? Dude, I didn't even know the Oscars was still a thing. Can you imagine watching like an award show for actors and people on <laughs> like television shows? I don't, I don't, I really don't know how people do it, and they love it too. They eat that stuff up. No, I'd much rather be in the woods. I'd rather be crossing a water hazard with you, uh, just fucking around laughing with guns. That sounds more fun. Oh, damn right it does. Which we really need to do. You think I'm not playing, man? I'll go down there. I need to go visit. Uh, was it Palmetto State Armory sometime soon? I got them. Oh, yeah, you definitely do. You definitely do, man. You, we definitely need to get together and do that. I mean, I we think it would be some really South good of the border as well. Is that what it's called? Yeah, <laughs> the south of the border. <laughs> yeah. When, you, when you tell me south of the border is, go look up South Carolina South of the Border Amusement Park online. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when you told me about that, I, I was like, holy shit, he knows exactly where that's at. Yeah, I used to drive past her fairly regularly on my. My travels back and forth from base, but uh, yeah, I, <laughs> I got man, it I once. Past, I see. I've never actually been to it. I drove by so many times when I was going to uh, paramedic school last year, and I when I hit that when I saw where south of the border was, I was like, man, I'm almost to class. It's another day. <laughs> I just I remember just seeing the sombrero on the sign from the distance, just okay. <laughs> getting, getting close to the border. All the Pedro right, signs is what always killed me. <laughs> yeah, we Okay, so I guess uh, – so this is the first time I've had somebody on, so we'll, we'll try this here. Uh, you guys can find my man, Swamp Dweller, on YouTube. I've shared some of his stuff under my community tab. 
Uh, if you're having trouble finding them, there's another swamp dweller or something when you search it. And I'm sh- pretty sure you're probably shadow banned by the overlords anyway. So, like, type in, like, swamp dweller M16 or AR15 or something like that if you're having issues. I'll, of course, put the link in the description down below. And then uh, check them out on Instagram. I follow them, uh, Swamp Wanderer on Instagram. Yeah. I'm definitely shadow banned on YouTube. I'm, I'm almost positive of that now. Dude, I know for a fact you are. I can't when I search you, I can't find you by your name. I have to search keywords attached to like your type of content. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny too because like certain videos, like if I upload like an overnight video, that gets a bunch of views. But if I put up a video that's got good information, it only gets like a hundred views, and that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, no, it doesn't. It is what it is, though. I appreciate the content, man. I'm uh, I'm always enjoying when I see that. Hey, look, man. I'm just. I'm glad people. I'm just glad people enjoy watching that stuff, man. It's the only reason I keep doing it. All right. Well, that's uh, that's about all I got. Unless you got something else, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Nah, man. I appreciate you having me on too. Yes, sir. All right. You guys heard it here first. Peace.